All right, guys. So last time we were in this building, we showed you guys around and announced our building campaign. And this Sunday is also going to be a significant Sunday. And that's because we've got a big announcement to make as a church that we've been keeping a secret for a little while. And uh, that is that God is calling Jordan Adams to plant a church. Okay? So, Jordan, why don't you come on up, man? Come on up, man. So, so in, the, in the language of our church planting network, we are officially pregnant. Right. Which, which I means... I a little uncomfortable with that analogy. Yeah, yeah. Which means that God has not only provided a home for our church family, but also the tremendous bittersweet privilege of being able to send Jordan with a team of people out of our church. So I want to give Jordan an opportunity just to share what God's been doing in his life. So, okay, how did we get to this point, Jordan, where you sensed that God was calling you to plant a church? Yeah, so for really as long as I've known Jesus, there's been a stirring in me around the next thing and around church planning. Um, I can remember in college as a new Christian praying with friends over maps of the world and the United States and feeling completely inadequate to be a part of that vision, but just knowing that it had to happen. And I remember, so I was in college the first time we, we planted a church as a network and they, we did things a little bit differently, a little bit weirder back then. Uh, they announced on the spot, like, hey, if you're coming with us, stand up. And I like stood up and then I didn't go because I thought about it. Uh, and I was like, no, I, no, I'm, I'm in college. I'm not going to transfer. But, um, but I've always had a little bit of just that like stir in me. And because people need to know Jesus. And I'm convinced that church planning is the best tool that we have to help people know Jesus. Um, and so whenever I've been in things like network gatherings or when we have significant moments in the life of the church, uh, or every time I go to BWP, something just kind of comes alive in me. Um, but I, I didn't give a lot of thought to that because of where we were at as a church. So I was already on a church plant in Salt City Church, and it was never an option for us to leave. It would only be an option if we were sent by Salt City, and if it felt like the right thing for both Salt City and the new church. Uh, and, and so because we were a new church and where we were at, it didn't feel like that was something I could really entertain. But then all of a sudden, stuff started to come together. Like, the building thing was happening, and uh, we got an executive pastor, and that feels like, like a real church thing to do. And um, I knew Jennifer Tuttle was going to be coming on full time, and the amount she carries is crazy. And uh, we had a second worship. There were all these things that had started to fall into place where it went, where it started to go, ah, maybe we actually could do this. And... Um, so it was like, it was in that stirring that also some other circumstantial things started to happen. So Drew started talking about, he, I think he was feeling something similar 
and started talking about maybe we could hire in a church planner to plant a church out of Salt City. And then right around that same time, we had this, this guy that kind of dropped out of nowhere that contacted me and said, hey, I want to plant a church through the Salt Network. And uh, I, I want to plant at uh, Minnesota State at the University of Mankato. And so Drew and I ended up going and prayer walking Mankato with this guy. And, and I wanted to be excited for him, but I was standing on that campus just going like, oh no, like, I, I think, I think we need to do this. Like, I think God wants just me and I to be a part of that. But I felt really torn, at, by the way, at a different location. So that's, we'll talk about that in a minute. But like the idea of church planning, I should clarify that. Um, the idea of church planning really was stirring. And so uh, I think with that, just me and I started to have conversations but I didn't know what to think about this other guy that God had brought along to potentially plant with their church. It seemed like something he was doing. And so I thought maybe that was God telling me to hold off. Uh, but then this, this other guy called me two weeks later and said, I've had a total change of heart. I'm out. I'm staying where I am. I'm not going. And I just felt like that was God like calling us out. And he used that circumstance to sort of draw us forward. And so a lot of that processing was happening while Drew was on sabbatical which made it very weird. And so we were talking and then when Drew got back, uh, I kind of threw it out to him and said, what do you think? You and didn't kind of throw it out to me. <laughs> this was our first conversation when I got back, guys. Well, there, were, there was no time. I was about to leave on sabbatical. So drop it on Drew. And then we talked with our elders and sort of did a, hey, you guys pray, I'll pray on sabbatical and we'll figure this out when we get back. And uh, when we got back from sabbatical, uh, the elders had kind of green-lighted it and said they wanted to, to send us, and so here we are. Yeah, just to, to second Jordan's calling into church planning. So I've known Jordan since 2010 when he was a junior in college, and I was a 25-year-old guy, new into ministry. And I've seen the seeds since that time, and... Even after we came here, I remember Jordan started leading Salt Company, which is his first kind of real leadership gig. And I remember saying to him, I hope you stay, but I know that God has his hand on your life in a unique way and that if you ever feel called to plant a church, that God's going to equip you to do that. And you're the exact kind of guy that we would want to send as a church. So, yeah, thankful for that. Um, so what's God doing now? What's the update? Where are you at in the process? Yeah, so the plan is to, God willing, plant the church in 2023. Uh, so we're starting to move. And essentially when we got back from sabbatical, a lot of my role has been changing towards church planning candidate. And uh, so we put together this mega vision trip to look at several places to think about planting. And um, there will be other contexts to talk more, but... As a result of where we're at as a network, as well as some personal considerations for just me and I, we had lowered uh, a rough location down to somewhere in Indiana or Michigan. And so uh, a few weeks back, we took a vision trip and drove almost 2,000 miles and drove through several college towns, cities, and tried to pray and get a feel for what the Lord was doing. Uh, and we, over the past uh, couple weeks and even into this week, have been praying and trying to decide and get wisdom from people that know us, and uh, this past week made a decision that God willing will be going to West Lafayette, Indiana, and Purdue University. Yeah. Yeah. 
which uh, one of the really amazing variables in that is Drew's connection to West Lafayette. So, I mean, I'll let you talk about it, but Drew actually got to be in West Lafayette, Lafayette with us and show us his town a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So the, the sweet thing about this is that West Lafayette, Indiana is my hometown. And um, so it's when God started uh, really working in my life. And the primary influences in my life coming to really walk deeply with Jesus were Purdue students. And so I was walking around and Jordan and Jessamy heard like every story from my childhood while we were there. Like this is where we were driving our van up this hill and a deer ran its head into the side of our van. And this is, I, I drove him by, I mean, it was insufferable really. I drove him by like my childhood home. And so it became like this trip down memory lane but also just this sweet thing that God is doing. I mean, it's just kind of like, what are, what are the chances? Like, that West Lafayette, Indiana would be sort of the strategic next place for our network to plant a church, and then that God would call one of my best friends in the world to go there and to plant a church. And, I mean, we were even around town at one point and ran into a guy who knew one of my high school buddies who's unsaved and still lives in that place. So I, I'm just beyond grateful to be able to send Jordan back to my hometown. So super pumped about that. Yeah, so the plan, again, God willing, would be to, to start launching aspects of the church in the fall of 2023. Uh, and Jess and I are still figuring out our timeline, but likely we'll be moving in the spring. Uh, so we're not exactly sure kind of what the timing is, but sometime next spring is the plan. Yeah, and so how can... Everybody here be praying for you. How can people be getting on board with what God is calling you to do? Yeah, so I think praying, I, when I was at BWP this year, if you're not familiar with our church baptism worship party, uh, it's, it's a good time. Uh, I was so excited for what was happening, but just felt this like overwhelming sense of like God has to do this again. And I, I still remember when Salt City Church was a concept and we were praying that we could baptize college students and community members who met Jesus. And uh, the vision is actually fairly simple. It's we think Jesus is the best thing about life and uh, that in him is fullness of life. And we want to tell people about what it's like to know him and how good it is to know him. And so I'm praying for BWP, West Lafayette, um, and for who God will save and bring to himself. And so I'd ask you to jump in on that with us. Um, I'm praying towards, we would love to be a very uh, community-oriented church uh, where our lives are very relationally interconnected and uh, the context of our relationships would be an apologetic to that city about how good Jesus is. Uh, and so just praying for those relationships. And um, I think all sorts of stuff for Jess and I, courage, wisdom, faith, uh, power from the Holy Spirit to, to listen to his voice, and um, even just the personal practical stuff, uh, relationally, all those things, right? Um, but, and then the next thing would be, I am praying that, some of you would go with us, that God would call 
some of you guys kind of in uh, alignment with Salt City Church um, to go with and to see. We want to plant a church that's a lot like Salt City. Um, we love Salt City. We, we don't want to leave Salt City. We just compel, we feel compelled by what's next. But we love this church and wish we could stay here and do what's next. Um, but maybe some of you would, would come with, uh, as well as kind of a core team from around our network of churches to, to come with and see what Jesus will do next. So uh, we actually have a page that will be going live on our website, saltcitychurch.com backslash plant. And that'll take you to a landing page where if you're interested in anything, whether it's just, hey, we want to hear more about church planning or, hey, maybe we want to pray or contribute or if there is a little bit of a spark of, I want to hear more, maybe we would come, maybe we would move. Um, just fill out, there's a little interest form there and that, okay, you are not like signing on any dotted line. We're not going to overly pressure you, but I will, I will talk to you, uh, but not, not in a lot of pressure. Uh, but if you would fill that out, then we would know just kind of what God is stirring up, uh, as well as we are planning to have a vision gathering on June 5th. Uh, so we'll get you more information about that, but June 5th we'll have a vision gathering for anybody that's interested in learning more. Yeah, as you were talking, I, I just think, guys, this what a tremendous privilege we have a, as a church, that God is calling us both to have a space that's, permanently ours, and he's also calling us to, to plant this church. And um, just to reiterate, Jordan is not leaving, and we're trying to hold on to him. We are sending him as a church. We're super excited about this, and we're also sad at the same time. And uh, yeah, just am so pumped to have our own baptism service and maybe like stream his in at the same time. And, and we're just agitating for and excited to see the glory of God cover this nation as the water covers the sea. So we want you guys to be a part of that. I want to invite Jessamy up and I'm going to pray for these two. And I want you guys again to, to reach your hands out to extend them. And um, just in agreement with the Great Commission really, that we are sending them uh, as a church family. So, yeah. Father God, thank you um, so much for Jordan. Thank you that you have not given him a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control, and that you have called him by your grace, not just to be uh, your kid, your child, but you've called him and just me to step out in faith and to plant a church, to do something that is really hard, but really worth it. And I pray your blessing on them. I pray that you would provide everything that you, they need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And that many people who do not know you in West Lafayette and Lafayette, Indiana, would come to know you because of this step of faith that we're taking as a church. And God, would this be the beginning of a movement of church planting in this church? Every time that you call us to do something, God, we want to say yes to that because we believe that your grace is inexhaustible. And so ask that you would, over the next months, call people in this room 
who don't know that they're going to West Lafayette yet to go with Jordan and Jessamy? And would there be a group of people on this stage who we are sending with blessing to go? And um, God, it's going to be hard. And ask that you would uh, supply us with the grace to take each next step. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Yep. All right, guys. So, so I hope that this message this morning blesses all of you guys. But this message is really for Jordan and for me. Because the thing that we're feeling right now, uh, at least tempted to feel, is scared. And so we're opening up the Bible to Joshua chapter 1. But before we do that, I want to remind you guys of how Salt City Church got here. So back in 1994, a guy named Troy Nesbitt was working as a college pastor at his dad's church. And his dad's name was Tom Nesbitt. And what happened at Grand Avenue Baptist Church in Ames, Iowa is the college ministry outgrew the church. And what was becoming evident was that the two groups were quite different from one another. And so Troy went to his dad, Tom, and asked his blessing to plant Cornerstone Church in Ames, Iowa. And even though that wasn't really a popular thing to do at that point, Tom gave his full blessing and said, yes, we will send you to plant a church in this community. And so there was thriving ministry happening at Cornerstone. That's where Salt Company started, and the church continued to grow and grow and grow until about 2010 when Cornerstone got a vision to plant their first college-reaching church in Iowa City. So in 2010, Cornerstone Church sent Mark Arendt to plant Veritas Church in Iowa City. It was at that point that I was hired into Cornerstone Church to work with the college ministry. A couple years later, I actually joined that first church plant, Veritas Church, in Iowa City. And I was at Veritas Church in Iowa City from 2012 to 2017, when God, in very similar circumstances to Jordan's calling, called me to plant a church. We were in the middle of a building campaign. It didn't seem like that great of an idea, but God was doing something unique in my life, and the elders of that church gave their blessing to me to plant this church in 2017. So we stepped out in faith and did that. And now we sit here this morning believing that God has called Jordan to plant a church in 2023. And so here's all that we're trying to do. It's, it's really simple. We're trying to say yes to what God is doing next because that's what we believe faith is. So being a visionary isn't being able to see into the future and guess what is going to happen. It is responding to God's living action in our lives right now. And so what we're going to see from Joshua chapter 1, we're just going to look at verse 9, is we're going to see two ways and one reason that we can say yes to what God is doing next. 
The first way is to be strong and courageous. So Joshua 1.9, pretty famous verse, it says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Okay, so that word strong there, it means to be firm, to grow firm, to be resolute. It also can mean to be sore. And that word courageous, it literally means tree. So basically, if you put those two things together, it's like be a strong, firm tree. So the way that I would summarize what God is saying to Joshua as they're dealing with a leadership transition because Moses has died, is he's telling Joshua, even though everything around you is changing and you're called to a new step of faith and a new position of leadership, I want you to stay rooted. Be strong. Stay rooted. Don't be weak and shallow because you'll blow over in a storm. What I thought of when I began to run this command over in my mind, I was reminded of the first psalm in our Bibles, Psalm 1. And verses 1 through 3 in Psalm 1 say this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So how do we take next steps of faith? How are we bold? How are we strong? How are we courageous? It's not about putting on a show. It's not about acting strong or acting courageous. There is an invisible reality that is happening in the life of a believer when they are displaying strength and courage. And that is that in their time where no one else can see them, they are drinking deeply from the water of God's word. As a tree drinks deeply underneath the ground from the water. Guys, I had the opportunity to go on a golf trip this last week, and on one of the holes that we played, it was this absolutely amazing hole. There was a 200-year-old oak tree. This golf course was right on the border of Georgia and South Carolina. And the reason that that 200-year-old oak tree was still standing and looked strong as ever is because it stood right next to the Savannah River. And so it was drinking invisibly and yet deeply from an underground water source. And so what we need to do, as God is calling us to all of these different things, is not to just get caught up in the hype of it, not to just get caught up in the excitement of it, but to remember how we got here. And how we got here was abiding in Jesus, drinking deeply from his word. Jesus said, abide in me and I I in you, because apart from me, not you can do some great things, not you can do some good ministry, but it'd be better if you abided in me. But apart from me, you can do nothing. 
And so what that means is that all the strength and all the courage that we are going to need to display as leaders and as a church family in order to both raise money to get into this building and plant this church is not going to have its source in any person or any leader, but is going to have its source in God and his word. So let's drink deeply from his word so that we can obey this command to be strong and courageous. But there's not just a positive command here in this text. There's also a negative. So he's saying, do this. Drink deeply from God's word so you can be strong and courageous. And don't do this. Do not be afraid. Okay, look, let's look again at Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So that word frightened literally means don't be a boy. You're a man. It means don't tremble. It means don't be afraid. And that word dismayed, it means don't be broken or shattered. So this command in its various forms throughout the Bible, do not be afraid, is commanded to us over 365 times. You could make a scripture memory packet with a verse for every day of the year that says, do not be afraid. Do you know why the Bible commands us so much to not be afraid? Because we all have a tendency to be afraid. When we step out in faith, what we begin to feel is scared, dismayed, broken, shattered. And God is saying to us, it's actually not enough just to focus on the positive aspects of walking in faith. There's also going to be times where you're going to start to freak out and you need to grab yourself by the shirt. You need to get tough on yourself. And you need to say, stop being a boy. Stop being a little girl. Don't be afraid. Because God has commanded us to walk by faith in him, not to live by our feelings. Have you ever tried to live by your feelings? Now, now some of us, the way that our fear is expressed is very outward. We're explosive fear people. Like, when we're freaking out, you know we're freaking out. There's, like, some husbands looking at their wives, wives looking at their husbands right now, like, that's you, you know? And, and then there's other, others of us who aren't explosive, and we judge the explosive people. They're just like, I'm just glad I don't freak out. I'm just glad I'm not dismayed. I'm just glad I'm not frightened. But we're like the imploders who just sit there and we silently just go insane, but no one knows about it. And we just, you know, throw ourselves into work or yard work or sports or whatever, and then it comes out in real weird ways sometimes. So we got exploders and we've got imploders. I, I, on the way back from this golf trip, I sat next to an exploder. And... <laughs> I, I knew that she was an exploder because um, it was 
I, I flew in on Friday night, and there were still some storms happening in Minneapolis. So our flight was flying in from Atlanta to Minneapolis, and we got 15 minutes from the airport, and then our plane had to turn around and land in Des Moines, and then we had to fuel back up, and then we had to fly to Minneapolis. And it was actually really entertaining watching the screen, you know, the flight tracker. Some of you like to watch the flight tracker, right? And it was entertaining because our plane was just making circles south of Minneapolis. And this girl who was sitting next to me, I was watching a great documentary on the Nazis, and I was pretty entertained by it. And, um, and it's called The Rise of the Nazis, I think, BBC Select, anyway. I don't have access to that, so I have to watch it on planes. But I'm watching that, I got my headphones in, and this girl thinks we're going down. And so she's just, she is talking my ear off. She's walking up the, the aisle of the plane to talk to her husband. Every time we hit turbulence, she thinks that we, it, it's over, right? And I'm just like, okay, trying to talk her off the, the ledge and like, we're going to land. It's going to be good. We got radar. This is an experienced pilot. And, 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 and things were fine. But she was absolutely freaking out. And here's the reality. Everyone else on the plane wasn't freaking out. She was. And we all arrived at the same destination. It's just that the rest of us enjoyed it a lot more than she did. And so there's no need to freak out. It doesn't do any good. And all of us know that. Jesus tells us, don't be anxious about your life. And he says, what's the point of that? It does you absolutely no good. So we need to take... A deep breath. Okay, how can God tell us these two things? To be strong and courageous and to not be afraid. Okay, just think about the things that are true. You know, sometimes planes do crash. Do you know what? People do die of cancer. You know what? This church plant could go bad. You know what? Wars happen. Friends move. Shootings happen in grocery stores. We're seeing that flash across the news. So how are we supposed to be strong and courageous and to not be afraid when there is a lot to be afraid of in this world? And the one reason that God gives to Joshua, that he banked his life on and that we can also bank our lives on, is that God is with you. God is with you. He says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Okay, so that word for, for means because. So be strong and courageous, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For, that means because. I'm going to give you the reason why you can be this way in a world where everybody else is freaking out and hightailing it from the life of faith is because God is with him. But it's not just that the presence of God is with him. There's a very important word in this sentence that makes it not a vague promise, but a very personal promise. God says to Joshua, the Lord, your God, is with you. 
wherever you go. Not just God, but your God. And so here's what God is saying to Joshua. I am not just a God. I am your God. I love you. You are mine. The creator of the ends of the earth is talking to a human being and he is telling him that their relationship is so intimate like a father to a son or like a husband to his wife that he is saying to Joshua, I am yours and you are mine. See, what's going to give you unshakable confidence throughout your life as you walk through many trials, many difficulties, many hard things, and as God calls you to step out in faith, what's going to give you the courage to do that is a deeply personal understanding and experience of God's presence with you. It is possible to know God with an intimacy that far exceeds the intimacy that you have with your best friend or your spouse or a parent. I remember when I started having my eye on this girl named Melissa Hine. And when we would be in a room together, I couldn't keep my eyes off of her. And I found out when I was 22 at her birthday party that she was turning 26. And I remember thinking, oh no. We've been getting to know each other and I'm totally crushing on this girl and she sees me as like her little brother. Like there's no way a woman would date a boy like me. And I remember everything changed several months later when I finally got up the courage. I went over to her house and I asked her out. And what happened was she became mine. She said yes. And all of a sudden, our our relational reality totally changed. And I was like, no way. She feels the same way about me that I feel about her. And I was never nervous around her again. I was totally all in. I was relaxed in her presence. I was excited to be there. And I still am. Married the girl. She's mine. Guys, it is possible to know God with that type of nearness. And it is that relational reality with God that is driving us as a church family to say yes to what is next. Okay, so here's the question. Does this Old Testament passage apply to people like us? Was this just a localized promise? God had special love for this one guy named Joshua, and he was his, but there's no possible way that we have access to this. Or does this promise include people like us who live in the Twin Cities metro in 2022. Here's what Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39 says that's true about us as believers 
today. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you see what the Apostle Paul is saying to us? He's saying, it's not that the world is not dangerous. It's not that it's not risky to be a Christian. It's not that you won't experience persecution or you won't experience an untimely death. It's not that everything is going to go well for you on the path of obedience to Jesus. He is not promising you a better life now in this kingdom of this world. But what he's promising you is a world and a kingdom and a savior that will never let you down. He is inviting us to trust God. And how can we trust God? We trust God because we are in Christ. To be in Christ means that we believe that Jesus has taken the penalty for our sin and that he has clothed us in his perfection and filled us with his spirit so we are God's. He is ours. He loves us. And so it gives us a new lens to interpret everything that's happening around us. And even though at times we will feel like we are sheep being slaughtered, the world is just beating the junk out of us. Even though we feel that way, we know that God loves us. His love is greater than any tragedy or any step of faith that he is calling us to take. And so it's with that confidence that we step into this next season of the life of our church. It's in that confidence that we take next steps as individuals into our lives as believers. And we know that God will be with us. Let's pray. Father God, we try to uh, root ourselves in so many different things. We try to, to root ourselves in our income or in a relationship that we have in this life or in our popularity or in our looks or in our future aspirations or our future hopes or in our retirement account. And we know that all of those things are like a vapor. They're here one moment and they're gone the next. And it's actually in stepping out in faith and experiencing fear that we are reminded of how transient this life is, 
and how much we need to be rooted in you. And so I'm asking that you would call us back, God. Just to this simple enjoyment of your presence, uh, rooting ourselves in your goodness and in your love. And we just hear you say to us this week as a church that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Pray this all in your good name, Jesus. Amen.